0: All right, the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth today. After umpteen months, we are out of the book of Judges, so we'll uh, begin uh, another book here this morning. Uh, Just a couple of announcements. Uh, Don't forget our... uh, couples conference is coming up uh, that is going to be February 9th and 10th that's a Friday night and a Saturday morning uh, everything will be held here uh, Friday night will be a banquet it will be a beautiful uh, banquet together uh, so we dress up just a little bit for that one uh, if you sign up and I hope that you will would you do us a favor in between now and then uh, would you bring in a, either an engagement photo uh, of you and your, your wife or husband or a wedding photo uh, it, it's, uh, it'll be fun to put things on display whether you're newlywed or an oldie wed. Uh, I'm bringing mine in and even though my bride's in heaven, I'm going to bring mine in, uh, and, uh, we promise we'll take very, very good care of them. We're not going to draw mustaches on, on anybody. Uh, it'll just be something that we want to do. The theme is loving with eternity in view. We're keeping our theme throughout almost everything that we do this year. Uh, you can, you can get your, your sign up uh, for it, uh, at the table just outside of the auditorium here. Uh, Katie Owens has been taking care of that for us on Sunday mornings. Uh, And so please stop by. And if you have not done so, the cost is $25 a couple. Uh, If on Friday night we ask you to bring a dish to pass, which sort of, we're calling it a potluck banquet, we're trying to keep the, the cost down. Uh, if we catered a meal, we'd be talking about twenty-five dollars a person just for the food, and um, so we're trying to help out with that. Child care is provided should you need it for both Saturday, our Friday evening, Saturday morning. Uh, brother and Mrs. Dominic Panichetti are going to be back with us, and those that have been to these in the past, we had them before COVID. Uh, you you know what you're in for. They are a delight. They're they're, they're just funny. They're easy to listen to. They're deeply, deeply spiritual people. Uh, they've been married for uh, well over 50 years. Um, uh, several of their sons are in the ministry. Several of their daughters are married to pastors, um, and Brother penichetti is a unique, unique, wonderful man. He's a dear friend, and I know you'll enjoy him, so I, I, I hope you'll sign up for it. Uh, we've got some engaged couples that have already signed up, and I'm encouraged about that. Uh, that we'll never get enough uh, knowledge about how to have a happy marriage, will we? Uh, Keeping it sweet is uh, just something that uh, we always want to work on. So I hope you'll plan to be a part of that. And uh, we'll make maybe a few more announcements later uh, in the service. Uh, How many found the book of Ruth? Good. Ruth is one of my favorite books of the Bible in the Old Testament. It, it, It really is. After the darkness of the book of Judges especially those last few chapters and and a couple things that that God revealed that transpired in the rule of the judges. Ruth is almost like a breath of fresh air, even though verse number one says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. So we're winding back the clock just a little bit. This is going to transpire during the period uh, of the book of Judges. Um, but unlike the darkness that we saw with the, uh, the, the last few circumstances, Micah and his house of idols, and uh, the, 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 the issue with the, the Levite and his concubine that was murdered in, in uh, um, uh, Gibeon and so forth, this is a story where the theme is all about redemption. It's all about redemption. Redemption. Uh, it, it's a, it's a love story for those of the, uh, those of you who, who like those things. It's a story of second chances. And I use the word story, not in the sense that this is made up or something like that. Uh, account would be a better word, but you understand what I mean when I say it's a story. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of truth, four little chapters, but the events of this book are going to shape the events of the rest of the Bible. And uh, so uh, I'm excited about getting into this. Uh, again, it says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. We'll stop at that one sentence. We know it's in the book of Judges. Trying to pinpoint when exactly um, is is a little bit difficult, but there are some clues in the Bible. Uh, can Off the top of your head. Name some of the main characters that we're going, to, we're going to encounter in the book of Judges, or the book of Ruth. Naomi, Naomi. that's one. Boaz. Boaz. Elimelech. Elimelech. How about Ruth? <laughs> you know, the book of Ruth. Okay, so there are kind of the four main characters we're going to encounter. Boaz is the one that sort of helps us pinpoint a li- with not complete scientific accuracy, but helps us to point in the right direction of when this uh, story occurred. Turn to Matthew chapter 1, New Testament. Matthew chapter 1. One of the things I love about our Bible is that it is all tied together. It really is. God has woven for us a masterpiece of truth. And uh, in Matthew chapter 1, we find the genealogy uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, if you would, please, in verse number 5. There's a man here named Salmon. Salmon begat Boaz. That's the Greek rendition of Boaz. Okay, so Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Rahab is the New Testament rendering of Rahab. Where have we heard that name before? Rahab. Rahab the harlot. So let's go back uh, to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. And look just at verse number 1. we We're not going to go through all the story. Uh, I believe brother Tim taught us through that when we studied Joshua. And verse 1 it says, and Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shechem two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So when the children of Israel, under Joshua's leadership, first entered the land, they encountered this woman by the name of Rahab. The Bible gives us her occupation. She was a harlot. She was a Canaanite from the city of Jericho. Um, but but as you remember, uh, Rahab already had an established faith in the God of Israel. When the spies came in, they said, we already heard years ago about what the Lord did for you in Egypt um, and, and, uh, and, and the Red Sea, and then we heard recently what he's done in the land of the Amorites, and she said, we've been trembling this whole time knowing that you're coming our way. Um, she placed her faith in the God of Israel, made a covenant with those spies. If if I keep you safe and get you out of here safely, promise me that you'll, you'll spare myself and my family in the destruction of Jericho. And they did so. There is some speculation among Jewish authors from years and years gone by. We're talking centuries and centuries ago. That Rahab ended up marrying one of the two spies. It is somewhat a Jewish tradition she did so. That would have been that man by the name of Salmon of the tribe of Judah. No biblical record exists to prove that particular statement, uh, but some believe that is so. So Rahab was on the scene before the land was conquered, right? In Joshua's day. Um, Took about 15 years for that to transpire, and Joshua outlived that a little while, and then he passed away. And then um, the elders that were his age passed away and the, the events of the book of Judges started. So Rahab would have probably lived, she was probably a younger woman when we first encounter in Joshua chapter two. She probably lived on into the, the rule of the judges and she had a son whose name was Boaz. Um, Boaz, we know, as we'll find out in the book of Ruth, was older than Ruth I don't think he was like Abraham old, 100 years old. I think he was probably middle-aged, maybe in his 40s, Bible doesn't say, Um, and so forth. So we're looking that the events of Ruth happened early on in the book of Judges. Um, Most of the references I looked at think possibly during the time of Gideon, who was one of the early judges of the nation of Israel okay so we're we're kind of going turning the clock back just a little bit what was the theme of judges how did people conduct themselves every man did that which was right in his own eyes did they have bible to know what was right and wrong yes they did uh but but it was one of those things where i know the bible says but and uh so that is the period in which this story takes place so we're gonna God's given us a bit of a time reference for it. Uh, notice now the uh, the account begins for us, verse one, and there, they and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. So we're introduced to several things here. Number one, there's a famine in the land. Famine in the land. Most of the time in in that part of the world, a famine occurred because of a drought, some type of a weather issue. Um, it's it's not uncommon. Every now and then uh, we'll read of some country in the Middle East. Uh, how many remember when Ethiopia was in a huge famine and those images showed up on the, the nightly news of, of, of the impoverished people there? Um, and famine was very difficult. Everybody grew their own crops. Uh, today if there's a weather issue and, and like in the Midwest they don't get enough rain the price of corn goes up we'll still generally find the food on the shelves it's just going to cost us a little bit more or a lot more but back then if there was rain or there was no rain and your crops didn't grow you didn't eat okay um, it, it was it was a very very big deal there's a famine in the land um, go back if you would to Judges chapter six. A little bit of background today. Judges chapter six is where we're introduced to Gideon as a judge. Um, Verse 1: the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are on the mountains and caves and strongholds. And it was so when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east. By the way, that would have included the Moabites and the Ammonites. Even they came up against them. And they camped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou comest unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents. They came up as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Um, so here's the case where there's famine in the land has nothing to do with climate, nothing whatsoever. The Midianites, the Amalekites, all these other invaders are stealing every scrap of food that there was and it's causing famine. The, the children of Israel are impoverished. The Bible says there was no sustenance for them, and it's right after this God is going to raise up Gideon as a judge. Again, we don't know if, if that was the exact time period, but it was a similar situation. There's a famine in the land. Um, now I want you to notice, as we read here, uh, this man Elimelech that we are introduced to is going to make a very faithless and fateful decision. Um, I, I want us to understand, I don't think Elimelech was a bad man at, at all. Um, uh, it, the, the Bible doesn't give us a lot about his character. I don't think he was shaking his fist at God. He just wasn't trusting God. Um, uh, there's, there's no... Evidence that that uh, he was a sinful man uh, who who just wanted to go to Moab because of the nightlife. There's nothing about that. I just see a sincere man who's got a family. He's got two sons and a wife, and there's a famine, and and he needs to take care of them. Uh, the Bible says in the New Testament that that he provide he that provideth not for his own is worse than a an infidel. Um, I don't think Limelech was a bad man, so I want to make sure we understand that at the beginning. There's no evidence of that. I think he was sincere, but sincerity is not always enough, is it? Uh, Joshua 24. As as I said, a lot of background here, uh, but Joshua chapter 24. This is where Joshua is sort of giving his final farewell and Uh, challenge to the people that he has led for all of this time in verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Where is truth found? It's found in the word of God. There's no such thing as my truth. There's no such thing as your truth. There is the truth. Amen? Amen. And, And so Joshua says, serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Again, I, I want to believe that Elimelech is a sincere man, but he is ignoring the promises of God. They're, they're in the land that God said flows with milk and honey. They're in the place God gave to him. He has an inheritance that was given to him by the drawing of lots, led by the leadership of God. That's where God placed him. He has a God with a, that's given a history of being able to rain down manna from heaven when there was no bread, uh, to provide water in the midst of the desert, to, to part the waters of the Red Sea and crumble the walls of Jericho. That's a Limelech's God. But when the famine came, it seems like he forgot all of that. And he made a decision and said, let's go to Moab. Let's go to Moab. Now, let's talk a little bit about this place called Moab. Moab was to the east of the land of Israel, across the Jordan River. The Moabites were descendants of a man named Lot. We find Lot in the book of Genesis. Uh, He was Abraham's nephew. Uh, And remember, Lot ended up living in the city of Sodom. And God, by his mercy, brought Lot out of the city, uh, at first with his wife and two daughters, but his wife turned back, and what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. He had his two youngest daughters with him, and uh, through a very sad situation, they got their father blind drunk two nights in a row, went into him, and both daughters conceived illegitimately by their own dad. And the, the, the child of the oldest was named Ammon, the father of the Ammonites. And the youngest was named Moab, the father of the Moabites. Okay? So these are a people that descended from a real bad situation. Uh, but they have a history with Israel. Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. Children of Israel are actually on their way to the promised land. The 40 years are drawing to a close of their wandering in the wilderness. Verse 1, the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of where? Moab on this side, Jordan, by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed. Because of the children of Israel, now Israel had no intention of attacking Moab; they were just passing through the land on their way to Canaan. But the Moabites uh, they, they saw that as a threat of war. Moab said unto the elders of Midian, "Now shall this company lick up all that are around about us, as the ox lick, licketh up the grass of the field." And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land. For I want that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed, The elders of Moab, the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. They came unto Balaam, spake unto him the words of Balak. So the Moabites have uh, evil intentions toward the children of Israel. And we've studied this. Uh, We're not going to go all the way through the next couple of chapters, but they hired a prophet named Balaam, uh, and his job was to pronounce a curse on the children of Israel. But every time Balaam wanted to do that, God put a different message in his mouth and instead of pronouncing a curse on Israel, he pronounced a blessing. So they promised him more money. They took him and, and let him see more of the nation. And each time he opened his mouth, the blessing got greater and greater and greater. And the last one, not only did he bless the children of Israel, but he gave the children of, uh, or the, the Moabites and their companions uh, a little hint of how uh, God was going to deal with them and the judgment coming on them. And, uh, they, they weren't real happy with, with Balaam. He was a preacher for hire. That's a bad thing. Uh, And God happened to overrule him, but Balaam was not done. Balaam had his eyes on that money. Revelation tells us that Balaam had a doctrine. And he corrupted the children of Israel through his his doctrine. And uh, look at chapter 24. And once you're there, look at chapter 25. I turned to the wrong page. Israel abode in Shetham. And the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of whom? Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. This is a result of Balaam's influence. He told the Moabites, um, hey, let's, let's not try to fight them. Let's try to join them. Let's, let's, let's make nice with them. Uh, let's go over there and introduce them to our, to, to our daughters and, and uh, our sons and let them start dating each other and the unsaved with the saved. Is that a good plan? No, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Um, and uh, that's the doctrine of Balaam, to mix the world with, with the church. Um, and Israel fell for it. Um, Because they they didn't come at them with swords and spears and shields. They came at them with niceties and they came at them with beauty. Uh, Israel was was too unwise and spiritually immature to see what was happening. And over a very short period of time, uh, all these boys that started dating and marrying Moabite girls uh, found themselves going to Moabite churches. And they're now worshiping a, a god named Baal Peor. Baal was a, a regional god over that area. The, the, the uh, surname Peor just means it was from that locale. They all had their, their own twist on the worship of Baal. The Bible says that uh, spiritually it was whoredom. In some cases, it may have been actual uh, fornication that was going on. And uh, that was the Moabites. Because of that, God cursed the Moabites, told the Israelites, he said said, you stay away from them. They're, they're cursed from this day forward because they defiled Israel. God had to judge the Israelites severely because of that. So we're going back now to the book of Ruth. There's a famine in the land, and of all places that Elimelech chose to go, it was Moab. Apparently, Moab had food. Uh, Moab had a number of rivers. Uh, they had a number of large cities. Apparently, things were fine there. Um, many of the, the, the uh, references that I looked at raised uh, the question, uh, if he's going to go to the east, why didn't he go to the two and a half tribes that were on the east side of the Jordan River? Why, did, why didn't they go to uh, Reuben's uh, uh, holdings or Gad or the half tribe of Manasseh? Uh, why, why didn't they go to God's people and, and dwell with Israelites? Why did they choose Moab? No answer is given here. Uh, in the word of God. So Elimelech, we're going to assume out of sincerity for the welfare of his family, is taking them to a place where he says, I can provide for them. Uh, We'll be fed. Uh, we'll, We'll escape the famine. And he's leaving the trust in the Lord behind. And in his sincerity to take care of his family, he's actually violating scripture. God said, you stay away from them. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't let our good intentions become the rule by which we guide our lives. We, we've, good intentions are fine, but if, if they're not in line with the Word of God, our good intentions aren't good enough. Would you agree with that? Uh, again, I'm not trying to destroy this man's character, but I think he's very much like a lot of us that when push comes to shove, sometimes we rationalize our way and maybe there's a bad situation. And well, you know, I, it's, it's, it's not a really big, big, huge lie. It's just, it's a little lie, but you know, and, and we will tell it just uh, maybe to keep from causing a lot of issues or trouble or get somebody else into trouble or get us out of it and so forth. And uh, we've forgotten the Bible says, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Um, this temptation to uh, waffle sometimes on things, especially if our intentions are right, we are sincere, can lead us in a very wrong direction, and uh, things have a tendency to snowball. And that's what's going to happen in Elimelech's life. Um, He took his wife and his two sons, and they've gone to this place uh, called Moab. um, And uh, notice in verse 1, it says he went to what? certain man of Bethlehem Judah went to sojourn. What does the word sojourn mean? We don't use that a lot in our conversation today. What's that? Stay temporarily or to visit? Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's really uh, what it was about. He, he wasn't uh, planning to live there permanently. Um, he was just going to sojourn. Uh, but he's going to find out that that sojourn was going to last a whole lot longer than he intended. Someone has said that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost more than you want to pay. It, it has that way to work it out. And some of us could, maybe if not all of us, could stand and testify of something in our own life where we, we learned that lesson maybe the hard way. He went to sojourn, but it didn't end up that way. I want you to also notice this. When Elimelech left, there was a famine, but things weren't real terrible yet you say how do you know that chapter one and look please at verse 19 this is years and years later Naomi Elimelech's wife comes home a widow bereaved of her sons she has a Moabite daughter-in-law they came back home to Bethlehem so they too went until they came to Bethlehem and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? Have you ever seen anybody that's lived hard, a hard life and how old they look? Uh, every now and then I'll, I'll encounter someone, um, you know, just through ministry or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking they're, they're 20 years older than I am and I find out they're younger than me. Um, and uh, that, that's always sad to see what, what sin can do. They had a hard time recognizing her. She said, call me not Naomi. The word Naomi means pleasant. She said, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. That means bitter. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And notice verse 21, I went out what? Full. The Lord hath brought me home again empty. Now, obviously she went out with a husband and two sons. But the implication here is they went out and, and, and they had money with them and, and uh, they, had, they had what they needed to start a life in Moab and so forth. So there was a famine, but maybe it wasn't as bad as they thought it was. Um, we're going to find out that they left in an act of faithlessness, but a whole bunch of people in Bethlehem stayed right where they were and the Lord visited them with bread. And Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, they're going to miss out on the blessing of God because they went in the wrong direction. Um, So in verse 1, they went to sojourn. Verse 2, the last sentence says, And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And it's amazing how God uses two different words. They went for a visit, and they ended up staying there. Verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 3. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. Now her sons are... Late teenage, early 20s now. They're, they're of marrying age. Um, we'll see that in the very next verse. And Naomi, they went out with all these high hopes and dreams and her husband passed away. He may have passed away in Bethlehem. We're not sure what the cause of his death was. Um, but she's a widow now and notice she doesn't go back home. She's, she's staying. They got, they got some roots there. Um, something they didn't plan, though, when they left uh, Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab, was that their sons were going to be as influenced by Moab as the generations before them were in the book of Numbers. Now, there's no indication that, that, that uh, Malon and Kilian were ungodly young men, because, but, but what it was is they married Moabite girls. Um, was that a good thing, bad thing? They weren't supposed to do that. They weren't supposed to do that. Uh, But the very next verse is, they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years. Malon and Killian died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. It's not turned out so well, is it? Not turned out so well. They made a a very unwise decision. And... uh, There was no, apparently nothing from Naomi once things started to turn the wrong direction, to go back home, to make things right. Um, Have you ever wondered, how many have read the the story of the prodigal son in the Gospel of Luke? Probably most of you. Um, Why did it take him so long to go home? He's embarrassed. Bethlehem Judah was a small place. It's not a big town today. I've been there. It's not a big place today, but it was, it was a small town, and Buddy knew everybody, and uh, you know, Elimelech took his family. He had a better idea. Uh, we don't know if there were arguments that ensued of people trying to talk him into staying, people getting on him about it, uh, and him defending himself, or, or just sadness uh, at watching Elimelech take his family and go away, uh, not knowing if they'd ever see them again. But you understand Naomi stayed there for a very, very, very long time, uh, before she finally came home. Again, that little maxim, sin will, will keep you longer than you want to stay. Um, and so Naomi's found herself in this particular situation. And this is how God sets up for us the book of Ruth. There's a lot of sadness here. Um, I don't see outright outright rebellion against the Lord Uh, in in, in these first five verses here. I see uh, some some faithlessness, right? Um, I see maybe a little bit of stubbornness. Uh, Why didn't they go back home? Why did they continue there? Why didn't they go back home? Um, I I see that they're they're, uh, planting some seeds in their children. You hear a lot about the next generation at this church, Um, the sort of the theme behind our youth ministry is next generation there's always a generation to come we must understand that we're leaving our fingerprints all over the next generation we we, we certainly are Uh, dennis coral the evangelist said many years ago from this pulpit he said what we tolerate our children will exaggerate Um, So we must be very, very careful of that. So Elimelech just said, we're going to go to Moab. His son said, we're going to marry Moabites. I don't think Elimelech had that in mind. It wasn't until after he died uh, that his sons got married. Uh, I, I don't think he foresaw that. There and so to everybody in this room, we're parents or we're grandparents. A few of you, great grandparents, uh, and and that's a wonderful thing. May we always understand, be very, very careful what we're exposing that next generation to. Our actions, even our attitudes, they they mirror us. They mirror us. Um, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan because I'm a spiritual man. I'm a Steelers fan because I was raised on the outskirts of Pittsburgh, and it's just there. I call them the team of the future, and someday they're going to go further than the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan. My son-in-law, Rob, sadly, is a Green Bay Packers fan. And uh, the Packers played last night, and they lost. Um, I heard there was a lot of grief downstairs because uh, it was a nail-biter of a game, came out to the very last, I think the last play of the game uh, is what decided it. And, uh, you know, when Rob watches, he's got his Green Bay jersey on, you know, all that. He has one of those cheese head hats. There have been times I've walked downstairs and I'm looking at this six-foot-five guy with a chunk of cheese on his head. Um, and uh, But the game was on last night and Anna said that Nathan six years old, was so excited because he was going to get to watch the first half hour of the game before it was his bedtime. And uh, he was he's a Green Bay fan. Why? Daddy is. And Nathan said, Mom, we need cheese cubes. And she said, why? He said, because we're watching Green Bay and they're cheese heads. We need cheese cubes so we can watch the game. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, uh, that type of thing. But it's, it's an illustration how we influence people just by what we like, what we don't like, by who we like, by who we don't like, what we do, what we don't do. They pick up on all of those things. All of those things. All of my children are early birds. If there's an appointment, they're there early, always, always. Um, uh, Anna and Tim, always early, early to church, early to work. Sarah's the same way, Um, and they're that way because that's how I am. Trina wasn't quite that way when we got married, but uh, train up a wife in the way that she should go and... It's, it's the one thing I, I actually succeeded in. And we just got to the place that if, if we came on time, we felt like we were late. We'd be on vacation and show up at church and we'd be there before the pastor. We'd be sitting in the parking lot waiting for somebody to come unlock the door. It was just our nature. But my children all have that, that same thing about them. Elimelech exposed his sons to a world they should have never seen. A culture that they should have never been a part of, and they got married to that culture. Now, let's put this disclaimer on. It's 1045, so we gotta end. Aren't you glad that the grace of God can undo our stupidity Amen. if we'll let him? Aren't you glad for that? How many have ever done something and you knew after the fact shouldn't have done that? Anybody? Okay. Aren't you glad, and now that doesn't mean there aren't consequences, you know, that type of thing, but aren't you glad that there's forgiveness from the Lord? Aren't you glad that God makes all things new? Um, and that's, that's the beauty of the book of Ruth, how God is going to take this widow named Naomi, who is going to become a bitter lady by her own testimony, going to take this Moabite daughter-in-law, and uh, God's going to do something so miraculous that we are blessed by it today. And so hang on for the next few weeks as we study through the book of Ruth. uh, I've been really excited about coming into this particular study. Uh, It's like the bright spot after maybe some dark uh, studies in the book of Judges. We do need to stop there. It's 1046. We got about 14 minutes.